I am honored to be here today. I am a walking miracle. I should not be standing here today, but God, how many know that God can take the worst of lives and turn them around and change them? He can make your life different. I come from a home where both fathers committed adultery and walked out of our family's lives. They walked away. Um, I was at six years old molested in a portable bathroom by a construction worker. I grew up in a home that was a war zone. Our home was filled with anger and hostility because my dad, who adopted me, he was an alcoholic and an angry perfectionist. And so in our home, it was a war zone. So what do you do to escape? I turned to drugs and alcohol. God had blessed me as an athlete. I thought I was going to play sports. But how many know God knows how to redirect your steps? And at 19 years old, I met Jesus for real on a sidewalk. I mean, no, you don't have to come to church to get saved. You, God can meet you anywhere. And I got, I got saved on a sidewalk, set free, delivered. Our home has been touched by suicide. My dad took his life, successful businessman. 30 days later, my stepbrother took the same handgun and took his life. I know what it's like to go through disappointments, pain, hurt, I know what it's like to feel the ravages of the enemy and what he can try to do, but God has a different plan for our life. And today, I've been praying for you, and God laid a word on my heart for you today. It's entitled, How to Recover from the Worst Time in Your Life. How to recover, how to recover from your worst time. I, I, I would like to tell you that because you serve Jesus, you'll never go through hard times. You'll never experience difficulties or, or, uh, or great trials or testing, but I would not be honest with you. As Christ followers, you're going to have times in your life that are going to be challenging. In fact, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a day that you wish you could forget? I mean, you just have a day that you go, that was the worst day of my life. How many of you have had a week like that where you're just like, this week I'd like to erase it from the books. It's so bad. Maybe it's been a month. For some, it may be a year that you've had some of the worst time in your life. Maybe it's your marriage, that your, your relationship isn't that good, that you're hoping that it would not end in divorce. Maybe you come from a broken home, a fragmented home. Maybe someone you love is fighting cancer, or you lost a child or a loved one. Maybe you've lost a spouse, and you're going through this difficult time. In life, we're going to have troubles. You know why? Because this is not heaven. How many have figured out that this is not heaven right now? I mean, you know, we're, we're not there yet, but one day we will be there and there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more trials or difficulties, but now we experience difficult times. In fact, we have life-impacting moments. We have times where we get hit and we wonder, will I ever recover from this? Will I ever get up from this? My question to you is, what do you do when you have those moments? What do you do when life just hits you so hard and you think, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to recover from this. I travel around the country and preach to believers around the country. And I've got to tell you, I meet so many believers that have experienced difficulty and that are struggling today because of what's happened to them. They're struggling in their faith, their confidence in God, their reliance upon Him, and they don't know how to get out of it. I want to look at the story of David. 
David experienced incredible loss. He lost everything on one of the worst days of his life, but recovered it in the end. 1 Samuel chapter 30, look on the screen. I want to share this story with you and give you a few principles that God gave me. The Bible says that David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. Now, for those that don't know, the Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau? Esau's family hated Jacob, and they were constantly warring against Israel, trying to destroy their lives. Here's another moment. They, they show up at Ziglag, and they burn everything down. They steal everything. Look, in fact, look what Scripture says. They attacked Ziglag, burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Anoahim of, of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. So the story goes that David and 600 of the mighty, mightiest men of Israel, in fact, these men were uh, uh, renowned for their bravery. They'd faced death many, many times, and here they are with David out, and they're fighting against the enemies of Israel, and they finish up, and they're headed back to Ziglag. It tells us, Scripture tells us it takes them three days to travel 75 miles to get home. And I can see them. They can't wait to get back. They want to see their families. They want to see their loved ones. And they're riding back. And, and all of a sudden in the distance, they see smoke billowing. And they're going, wait, wait, that's, that's where we're headed right now. And I can see them quickening their pace. And they finally arrive at Ziglag and everything is gone. The city's in ashes, there's nobody there, they've taken everything. And David and 600 of the mightiest men begin to weep bitterly that day. In fact, the Bible says that they wept out loud. In Eastern cultures, that they are not afraid to show their emotions. You, you, they, when, they, when they would weep over something bad happening, they would tear their clothes, they would fall on the ground, they would grab dirt and throw it up in the air and put it on themselves in mourning during that time. So here's David and 600 men and all this dust and tears and sobbing and weeping is taking place until they had no strength left. I don't know if you've ever been through something where you had no more strength. When my phone rang in the morning and my mom was on the other end saying that my dad had taken his life, I wept until I had no strength. Days on end, I wept until I had, uh, had no strength because of the brokenness that I was experiencing. What do you do when life hits you so hard, it knocks the wind out of you and you wonder, will you recover? I'll tell you what you do. Like David and those mighty men, you weep. You weep because that's how God designed us. Living by faith and living in faith does not mean that we live without feelings. In fact, we serve a God that created us in his image. And how many know God feels things? God is a God of emotion. In fact, the word tells us that he dances over you with joy. Do you know that God knows how to dance? 
Wouldn't you love to see that? I mean, wouldn't you love to see God just all of a sudden jump up and start dancing? What does it look like? Do you know he dances over you? The Bible tells us that God feels sorrow. In fact, we know he feels anger. Remember Jesus at the temple and all the merchandising is going on and Jesus flips over the table. God in flesh responds in anger saying that my house will not be a house of merchandising. It will be a house of prayer. We see also Jesus standing at the grave of a friend. Lazarus has died. And Jesus, as he's seeing all the grief, he begins to weep himself. Why? Because God is a God of emotion, just as he created us to be. The word became flesh so he could share in our tears, except God's tears are holy. And he doesn't leave us in our tears. He moves us from brokenness to joy. He moves us from sorrow into victory. Jesus joined our sorrow to lead us to joy. In fact, Scripture says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Your time of sorrow may be a day, it may be a week, it may be longer, but know this with absolute confidence that there is a time that the weeping will end where you rise up in faith and say, God, I've wept long enough. It's time to arise. It's time to move forward because I know in whom I have believed. I know who God is and I trust him. The challenge is this, church is that when you hold on to your grief or your pain or your disappointment, it can turn into self-pity. And I want you to hear me. Self-pity is one of the most dangerous things to fall into because self-pity robs you of faith. It prevents you from moving from pain to a place of victory. It's deadly. It has the capacity to destroy your faith and lock you in a self-imposed prison that is difficult to escape. You will never change your life by feeling sorry for yourself. You'll never change your life as long as the enemy can get you to go, oh, poor me, it's not fair. I don't understand, God. I don't get why, you know, it's not right, God, what's going on. Listen, if you permit a spirit of self-pity to persist, you'll move into unbelief And that will keep you from the promises and blessings of God. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to feel sorry for yourself, take on that spirit of self-pity, and to keep you in the wilderness. But God has a promised land for you. He has a promised land for your life, for your family, for your relationships, for your finances. Don't get stuck in the wilderness in self-pity. For some of you, It's time for you to look self-pity in the eye and say, enough already. You're not running my life. You're not controlling me. I will not live this way any longer. Enough is enough. My time of weeping is over. God has not destined me for defeat, discouragement, or despair, but victory in Christ Jesus. I may not feel God's presence right now. I may not see anything changing, but I'm not bound by what I feel or I see. My faith is not in me or my circumstances are my emotions my faith is in a God that cannot lie and his word never changes 
He's the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is a God that once he starts something, he's committed to finishing it. Oh, my friend, God said the work I start in you, good news, I will keep doing it until the day of salvation. I'll bring you home. But you got to walk in faith for yourself. You're going to have times to weep, but don't let self-pity overtake you. Shake it off. Look what the scripture says. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. How many know it's a bad day when 600 bad dudes say, let's kill the man? That's a scary day. And David's like, wait a minute, you guys have been fighting with me. Now you're going to fight against me? Oh no, I'm in trouble. But look what it says. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. I want you to hear me, church. There are times that people are going to lash out at you, not because of you, but because they're angry at something else that's happening in their life. They'll lash out at you and you'll go, wait a minute, what's the problem? I'll tell you what it is. They're hurting from something else. Notice how it goes, though. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I like one translation that says David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. So what do you do when life is falling apart? What do you do and how do you recover from the worst time in your life? I'm glad you asked. Number one, change your focus. Say that with me. Change your focus. Look at your neighbor and say, change your focus. Look at the other one with the attitude and say, change your focus. From the stories of the Bible, we can deduce, listen to me, that David was a worshiper. How many agree? David knew how to worship God. He knew how to praise God. And here's David. He's wept until there's no string, but then he begins to withdraw. And I can see David begin to worship God and begin to praise God and begin to talk to God and begin to sing of who God is. I can just hear him as he sings about the majesty and the power of his God. I can hear him sing about how God has been a deliverer and has shown himself strong in the past. And so he will in the present. David had so many impossible situations. A lion, a bear, a nine-foot giant, a jealous king. But praise and worship changed his focus. It changed his perspective, and he began to encourage himself in the Lord. There was nothing he could do about changing the circumstances at the moment, but he could change what he was looking at. Oh, church, some of you are so focused on what you don't have and what you have been missing and what has happened to you and so focused on the ashes and the brokenness and the smoke that's coming up that your focus is in the wrong place. David's anchor was God himself. And God does not change his circumstances at the moment, but everything changes because David changes his vision, his focus. Oh, come on, church. How many know when things are going good, God's worthy of praise? When things are going bad, God's worthy of praise. When all hell camps on your doorstep and tells you you're not going to make it and we're going to take you out and we're going to take you down, how many know that God is worthy of all praise and honor and glory? He's still worthy. 
Psalm 34, David probably saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continuing in my mouth. How many know all times are good or bad, up or down, no matter what may be going on at all times? Why is this important? Because when praise is in your mouth, there's no room for complaining, grumbling, or negative speaking. Because praise is the language of faith. Praise is the declaration of faith in who I start believing. Listen, stop magnifying your problems and start magnifying your God and watch what happens. Stop focusing on all that you don't have and start focusing on all he is and what he can do and things will begin to change. Praise him for his goodness, for his greatness, for his faithfulness, for his mighty power. Praise him that he is there, that no matter what you feel, that God is on the move. In fact, some of you the reason you don't feel God is he's up ahead of you already working out all the circumstances and fixing everything that's why you don't feel him right now he's already way up ahead waiting for you to get there and everything will be taken care of you just don't see him yet you know why because he's gone before you he's already up ahead oh my friend he's worthy of praise you know what the enemy wants he wants to take your joy Oh, my friend, there's nothing more dangerous than losing your joy. He wants to take your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Change your focus from what you've lost to to who God is. Change your focus. So how do you recover from the worst day of your life? First, change your focus. Number two, expect a word from the Lord. Expect a word from the Lord. Say that with me. Expect a word from the Lord. David encouraged himself. He strengthened himself through praise and worship. However, that did not change the hearts of his men. His men were still hurting. His men were still broken. His men were still threatening to take his life. It didn't change their pain. But notice what David does. Look at, the, look at the screen. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. The ephod is the outer garment of a priest. He puts on the outer garment of the priest. And the Bible says Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? This is God's response. Look at this. He says, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David didn't even know they were alive at the time, and God says, you're going to rescue them. I mean, he gets a word from the Lord. How many know David needed a word at that moment? Have you ever been at that place where you need a word from the Lord? You don't need an encouraging word from a friend. You don't need just someone to look at you and go, hey, it's going to be okay. No, no, no. There are times in your life that a friend's word will not strengthen you. Only hearing from heaven will strengthen you. Only a word from the Lord will bring you through what you're going through in your life. You see, David was desperate but he believed that God would answer him. I want, I want you to ask yourself this question. When you pray, do you really believe he's going to talk to you? Do you really believe in the middle of your crisis that God is going to cut through all of that and speak to your heart? You see, those without faith turn to others first. 
They seek the counsel of others first. They go to others and ask them what they think. But faith runs to the presence of God because faith expects a response from God. The word says, call upon the Lord and he will answer me. Faith is the victory that overcomes. But where does faith come from? Faith comes from the word of God. God. And overcoming faith, my friend, does not develop overnight. You've got to get to the Word again and again and again. And it can't be head knowledge. It must be rhema word to you. God spoke 12 words that shifted everything. Just 12 words. All of a sudden, courage replaces fear. Hope replaces despair. Joy replaces grief. Faith overcomes every obstacle that you encounter in life. What do you do when you're having a bad day and all hell is coming against you? Remember this. God has a word for you. It doesn't matter what the enemy's saying. It doesn't matter what's going on over here. God has a word for you. Get alone in his presence. Wait for him. Listen to him. He will give you a word from heaven. But you got to go to him. David expected God to speak. That's why he said, bring me the ephod because I'm going to go to God right now and I'm going to talk to him and God's going to answer me. So change your focus. Expect a word from the Lord. Number three, are you still with me so far? I know I'm not bald and as handsome as Joey, but it's still, just try to stay here. Number three, Live daily like you're going to recover everything. you got to live daily that you're going to recover everything. What do I mean? David, the moment he hears a word from the Lord, look at me, he gets a vision of victory. The moment he hears a word from the Lord, all the rest of the stuff goes away, and all of a sudden David has God's vision of what's about to happen, and everything changes. I can see David. You want to know how great a leader he was? He said to 600 men that were about to kill him to get on their horses and let's go get them. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know where they went to. And he takes off. You know why? Because the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of God. And he said, boys, get on your horse. We're going to go after them. And they went, yeah, let's go. You know why? Because David had a vision of victory. I will recover everything. God says, pursue them. You'll overtake them and succeed. And David goes, we're going to recover it, boys. What the Amalekites destroyed, all the possessions will be recovered. My family, your family, it's all coming back to us. We're going to get it back, guys. David absolutely believed God's word. Church, look at me. You've got to be absolutely convinced of God's love for you, and that God wants you to recover what you've lost. You've got to be fully persuaded in his unwavering love and favor for you, because if you're not, you're not going to believe that God is going to give it back to you. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God, you can't have faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to get in the Word and you've got to hear. You've got to get in the Word and know the will of God. How do you know it? Get in the Bible. Study it. Pray over it. Believe it. Meditate on it. What is God saying to you? I'll tell you what He's saying to you. He is for you, not against you. That greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. 
I'll tell you what he's saying to you, that you're the head and not the tail, that I am in you, I am with you, and in my name, you can, you can run on the, the city and take down its, its gates and take over. In my name, you will have victory. You see, Jesus stripped the enemy of his authority, and he made public spectacle of him having triumphed over him at the cross, and then he said, I'm giving you my authority, and in my name, you're going to do not only what I did, but greater works than I did. You know why? Because I'm at the Father interceding, praying for you so that you can rise up and do what I created you to do. My friend, you are not just some wimp that's just kind of surviving. You are overcoming children of the Most High God that are seated in heavenly places. You are adopted joint heirs. You are His beloved. You belong to Him. You are not your own. I'm sorry I'm yelling. I can't help it. I can't help it. You know why? Because I know what it's like to have no future, to have no hope, and all of a sudden God show up and go, son, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do with your life if you'll just trust me. I've been married now 27 years. My wife is, uh, she's amazing. I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a vision to be married for very long. I didn't even have a vision for a good marriage. My wife's a PK. I'm everything other than that. And my wife, she grew up in a great home, a great family. And I grew up in all kinds of pain and hurt and anger and bitterness. Oh, man, I was so full of anger and bitterness. I tell my wife all the time I caught her in a low moment. She's the COO at William Jessup University. She runs the university. She does everything but be president, really. And she's amazing. My oldest daughter is, uh, just finished her master's program in digital marketing. She works for K-Love, and she's been married now two years this September, serving the Lord. Her husband is the IT director at William Jessup University. He has a heart for God and... Uh, and just living for Jesus. My middle daughter is in her second year at Yale Divinity getting her master's program, and she will finish this next year and then go on to her doctoral degree in New Testament, early church, and archaeology. And uh, God's just doing an amazing work in her life. And my son just graduated, and he works for one of the top seven CPA firms in the nation they hired him before he graduated from school. He was the business student of the year and was given the award of the student of the year by the faculty. And God just has blessed our family. And I'll tell you why. Because that is what God does. I never imagined I could have that. But my life was radically altered and changed. God gave me a different vision to believe for something more. And things begin to change as a result of it. Notice David i got to finish. i got to finish. David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought back everything. You know what I love about this story, church? Listen, David, with his men get everything back. How many know that's a good day? 
But David not only got back what he lost, he also got what the Amalekites possessed. So he didn't just get back what he had, he got back double. Listen, listen, the enemy thinks he's going to take you out and wipe you out, but you know what? God's going to not only repay you, he's going to repay you back double. He's going to repay you back more than what you lost when you trust him, when you believe in him, when you stand in him. God not only restores back. Listen, if you have a child that's wandering away from God, don't you dare believe the lies of the enemy that they may not come back. Are you kidding me? The Bible says if I serve the Lord, that he will save me and save my family. And those kids don't belong to the enemy. They belong to Jesus Christ. And they may be wandering way out there, but in the name of Jesus, they're coming home and they're going to serve God and they're going to live for God. You know why? Because God promised in his words. And I trust in him. My marriage will be life-giving. My relationships will be healthy. My life will change. Why? Because God's the God of restoration. He's the God of healing, transformation. God not only restores what you lost, but he gives you even more. You say, I don't believe that, Eddie. Come on. David wrote it. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Why does he do that? You know why? Because God mocks the enemies with his goodness and what he has done in their lives. Go, hey, look at them. Remember you thought you were going to take them out? Remember you thought you had them? But look at them now. Oh, you got to watch now because they have been recovered back what was what belonged to them. Oh, do you remember how you said that there was no way their marriage was going to last? Look at, they've recovered back that and more because that's, I'm a God of great goodness. Great glory. Dr. Samuel Rodriguez said, God's glory is sometimes best revealed in the midst of what can seem the darkest of circumstances. Church, you might be in that today. In fact, let me just say this to you. I believe that there are many that the enemy has swooped in while you're off doing something, serving God, and And he said, I'm taking this, and you're never going to get it back. But God sent me here today to speak a word to you, to say, change your focus, expect a word, and then watch what I do. Watch how I'm going to bring back that which the enemy has meant for evil to destroy your life. I'm going to restore back with the palmer worm the canker worm what he's stolen from you i'm gonna restore back you know why because god's a god of restoration you might be sitting there thinking but you don't understand i was really a lot of the reason that happened i i get that it's okay you know why aren't you glad god doesn't give us what we deserve it's called grace And no matter how bad you've run things in the ditch, I've got good news for you. You may be weeping in in the dust and the ashes going, it's never going to change, but God is the God of restoration and grace. And he knows how to give back, to restore back. I don't know where you might be today, but I want you to know He is good. 
and he's with you. If you'll trust him and begin to praise him and begin to believe him, you watch what the Lord will do on your behalf.